telling school kids to keep those candy wrappers in their pockets. The fair is coming. Clean the streets and shine your shoes. The fair is coming. Roger continues grabbing shoulders and, depending on the recipient, offering one of his nimble smiles. Gracious, mischievous, reassuring. Boyishly jug-eared, he comes off as a careful listener, who agrees with you, even while explaining why he doesn't. Pushing words through his head now, he tries them out against this dizzy backdrop. Plan a toast all you want, but when the mood shifts, you better adjust. Every endeavor, big and small, he whispers to himself, begins with an idea. Where the hell is Teddy? More overdressed drunks stumble out of the elevator into a fresh round of exclamations and squabbles over the exact whereabouts of various landmarks. Dapper men surround him. The only one he recognizes is Malcolm Turner, to whom he recently gave most of his savings. Looks like the world's your oyster, a bullet-headed man tells him through a menacing smile. A camera flashes with each shake of his hand. Is that a Times photographer? It's past midnight. Toasts were supposed to start already, but Roger knows when to stall. A meeting runs on schedule or tempers flicker, while a roast, a tribute, or any boozy gathering moves to a slower beat. You wait until they're itching for someone to make sense of it all, then you wait a bit longer. He hears Linda's laugh, gauging her inebriation by its volume. Plastered. He'd considered her gregarious before she'd wheedled him into proposing. Since then, she's struck him as loud, especially when she drinks. He finds his mother as far away from his fiancée as she can get, telling a story about her childhood that he knows isn't true. He wraps an arm around her as if to brace her, though she's probably the sturdiest woman up here, her sober regality as out of sync with this teetering mob as her fake British accent. Teddy Severson finally strides over, tall, hipless, and lipless. You ready? The sound system squeaks before Teddy's throaty voice comes through louder than necessary. Thanks for joining us. Reporters set their champagne aside and flip open notebooks as everybody packs into this curve of the dining area. Thanks for joining us, he repeats over the lingering chatter on the eve of something that most people didn't think was possible. Laughter ripples, glasses clink, the city sparkles. A cigarette smolders toward his wedding band. Along the way, I heard from enough doubters and doomsayers to make me forget that all we were trying to do was throw a nifty fair, not ruin this city. Laughter mixes with gossipy murmurs. Everyone knows this crowd holds more than its share of doomsayers. I, too, miss the quiet Seattle of yesteryear, he continues woodenly, reading now. But we can't keep this place in curls and a Buster Brown suit much longer. He blushes, waiting out the polite chuckles. This city has done amazing things. It rose from ashes, flattened hills, dug canals, bridged lakes, and shipped its products to every major port and for the next six months it will, my friends, become the capital of the world. He pauses, as if expecting more than golf claps.
But let me shut up and get Roger up here to christen this place upright. Because without his gift of gab, we wouldn't be here. And we certainly couldn't have coaxed thirty-five countries into helping us throw a fair in some city they still think rhymes with beetle. Just a few words, Roger says to amuse those familiar with his rambling, noteless speeches. Easy to see in this light that he's younger than everybody. Loose-limbed, bushy-haired, dimpled. First time I experienced this view, he begins, was when Teddy, Mr. Veerling, and I rented a helicopter and hovered up here to see what it might be like to actually have a restaurant in the sky. Roger makes helicopter noises, then mimics the pilot. Four hundred, four fifty, five hundred feet, holding. Teddy kept muttering, Jesus, while Mr. Veerling calculated aloud what